Welcome to all of you for our second week on emotions. How many of you were here last week? A good number, yes, okay, and a lot of new faces. Well, we'll do a little bit of review, but I'd like to start by asking those of you that were here last week uh, what you discovered over this past week about emotions, your emotions. Did you check in with yourself? Did you find habitual patterns, habitual reactions, perhaps? Did you learn something new about yourself, about your emotional life? What, what did you find? I noticed that the perspective on holding on things has a lot to do with the emotions that happens. And, um, and what I'm focusing on. And so if I'm thinking about the things in my life that I'd like to be different or better, um, and I have a perspective that, oh, you know, everything's just not quite right yet in my life, I have one set of emotions. And then I would um, encounter all these other people in my life and oh my god, their problems are nuts and enormous and huge and terrible in a lot of ways. And, and then I look at my life and I go, you know, things are pretty good in my life. <laughs> I feel completely different. Nothing has actually changed. Mm-hmm. It's just the way, um, the perspective I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Completely different And when you recognize that, when you saw that, what was your response? Um, well, there was a mental part of that, which is, um, so I really am in control, in a way, of what I experience just by shifting, you know, you know, being mindful and mm-hmm. being able to shift the focus of my attention. I actually do have um, you know, a large measure of control over the emotions that I experience, the experience that I have. So on a mental level, it was that. And on an emotional level, there was just kind of an ease of, um, you know, there was just um, all this stuff on the surface that um, just changes all the time. And it's kind of like where my mind tends to put it. So, you know, that all in a, in, at another deeper level just doesn't really matter at all. Mm-hmm. And so then just kind of, settling into a peace around that. There's nothing really that needs to be worried about. And as long as I'm not holding this perspective or that, you know, this set of thoughts, you know, everything is probably pretty okay. (laughs) Just relax. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So a couple things come to my mind. Um, One is, it seems to me, it points out the unreliability of emotions. That, as you say, they're not solid and fixed. But depending on where your attention is, they change. I think that can be both surprising and helpful. That they're they're not so solid. It makes me think of a saying that Energy follows attention. So where our attention goes, that's where our energy goes. Yeah, this is a little similar to what you were saying, but I was just noticing how I mean, the same thing can happen that would trigger a strong emotion for me. And if it's, if it's right after, say, I've just been sitting and, I'm, and my body is fairly calm and, uh, and there's a real sense of presence and a kind of gravity to how I feel, you know, then a thing happens and there's, there's, there's no reactivity. But if it happens later in the day, say, after a certain amount of nervous energy is built mm-hmm. up and it's, there's like a subtle kind of buzzing going on in the, the, the body that I'm not tuning into, but it's almost like the same event can happen and it like hitting an electric fence or something, you know, and it just sends off and starts a big reaction. <laughs> and it's really a, just physical, different physical states seem to 
predisposed sensitivity. So both also point to the reactivity that emotions are reactions to something. And that reaction can be tempered, can be drastically changed by whatever our present situation is. Yes. Which is, uh, from what you're saying, a very good reason for us to be mindful, slow our lives down, and keep keep that buzz low, right? Mm-hmm. Keep keep um, ourselves as relaxed, as centered, as calm as we can, because then our reactions, our emotions, do tend to be very very different. If we're going at high speed all the time. Um, I think we can all feel it, you know, it just really revs up the body. And then the reaction is, you know, much different. Yes? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I try to experiment with your suggestion of being more mindful of where in my body I was um, sensing different emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, asking myself, okay, uh, am I stressed right now? Am I happy? Where is it in my body? So uh, when a negative emotion just starts to uh, uh, happen in, in me, in my body, then I can detect it and say, okay, that's what it is. But what I found was that um, I was trying to work with it in my mind too much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I am feeling uh, very frustrated right now. Okay, that's what it is. But then I immediately wanted to fix it, mm-hmm. do something about it. Mm-hmm. So what am I supposed to do with it? I found it very difficult to just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to do something about it or, or, or have a solution ready for it. So. I would imagine that that comes in time that you're mm-hmm. able to say to yourself, okay, that's the emotion, and, and I can just let it be and, um, and learn to relate to it without necessarily having to do something about it. Right. But I don't know, right. I really don't know how to just be with you. Mm-hmm. I have to do something about it. <laughs> you hit on a key point. <laughs> I think it's quite difficult at first for all of us to just be with emotions. We're so used to reacting. We're so used to doing something, changing it somehow, getting rid of it or, or encouraging it. And the thought of just letting it be or, or actually the experience of just letting it be. Yes. Yes, that's right. And that's exactly what we're wanting to learn, <laughs> to just let it be. Yes? Oh, I found when I actually acknowledged an emotion that it made it less severe uh-huh. just by the fact that you could, it was something that was not in you all of a sudden. You could stand back and say, okay, I'm anxious about this. I know I'm anxious. And that the effect was almost immediate that I wasn't as anxious anymore <laughs> about what I was anxious at uh, to begin with. Yes. Yes. Doesn't always work. <laughs> but sometimes it does. And that's very valuable. Yeah. Yes. Um, Step 
What made it easier? What made it easier to step back? Um, a little time meditation and you can uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you see, were you able to be aware of what, what the motivation was for wanting to alleviate his feelings? Well, some of it was selfish. If I didn't want to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I, seeing him panic and lose it and express strong emotions, that was my, a lot of it was my problem. Um, of course, I wanted to alleviate him and make him feel better, mm-hmm. but it was mm-hmm. also my distress that Yes, I think that's so useful for us to see because that's so often the case. It's hard for us to tolerate strong emotion in somebody else because it makes us uncomfortable. And it might be that we have some of that same strong emotion that we have resisted looking at or, or um, as you say, it makes us uncomfortable that we can't do anything. That we can't fix it. You can't change it for him. Yeah. It's a very important recognition. Yeah. Yes? This is a little bit like the side of it. Um, after last week was my first time uh-huh. and um, I have this fear of flying, and I'm married to an airline pilot. <laughs> But I think what I hear is you weren't struggling against it. You weren't resisting it. Right. You let it right. be. It's hard. It's a process, I think. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It can be challenging and for sure. I asleep on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. When the gentleman was talking, it reminded me of um, an experience that I had actually. And, um, there were times the exercise was great because I consciously checked in to see what I was feeling, which I don't know if I normally do that. Normally it's like if I'm feeling it, then I wake up and the fact I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. But so there were times when I kind of remembered to do it and I couldn't figure out just what I was feeling or it didn't mm-hmm. seem like I was feeling anything. Mm-hmm. And then I got alarmed by that. <laughs> um, and then there was another time when I was feeling anxiety and I didn't know why. And then I got more alarmed by that because I couldn't figure out why I was feeling what I was feeling. And so there was like this secondary reaction where the mind wanted to know why or what, you know. But then I did manage to, because, you know, I thought, okay, let's just do the exercise. Follow, you know, the anxiety was this, this tension and pressure in my chest. And I stayed with it for about two hours, and it included driving, and I was driving the mountains, and I realized at one point that um, it's a gorgeous drive up, you know, 84, and realized at one point, almost to the end, I hadn't seen one tree. <laughs> I loved this drive, and I hadn't missed most of it, because I was so in. But uh, what I was noticing is that it moved down into my belly, and then I got to the place, and I was teaching a class, and I was noticing it moved back up, and then it moved down. And then part of the class was a meditation, and I noticed at the end of the meditation, it was gone. And I never figured out why it was there, but what I did notice is in about two hours, it left. It processed. Yeah. <laughs> but I did manage to stay with it, was, was an interesting mm-hmm. thing, and also where it was in the body was something I hadn't ever stayed with that consciously before. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Sometimes we find through that that um, that we do hold things in certain places, certain tightness in the chest or in the shoulders or in the back. That's a habitual holding. And with that kind of attention and staying with, uh, it may relax and not continue. Mm-hmm. I've been at a place in my life where I have a lot of pressure and demands on me. I have to do a lot of things, some of which I, I'm not sure I know how to do. So I have a lot of anxiety and fear around that. I'm very aware that um, the fear and the anxiety makes it more difficult to do what I need to do because it's, it's like I almost don't see everything that's in front of me and you know you can't find something because you don't see it it, it's harder to get it done Mm -hmm. metaphorically (laughs) as well as physically Mm -hmm. and this week I noticed and I've heard people say this before but this week the first time I noticed that while from day to day reality hadn't changed I still had to do the same stuff that I always had to do but some days I felt good and easy about it. Mm-hmm. Some days I felt, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's much easier to cope when you're feeling okay about it than when you're feeling tense about it. I wish I could engineer this. If I could just... <laughs> Feel good all the time. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yes, yes, and that's what's so helpful to be able to see that and to recognize that all that is within us. As you said, reality hadn't changed one bit, but my perception or my reaction certainly had changed. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. I felt something similar like anxiety, but it was the morning after last Thursday at 4 o'clock in the morning. I woke up with an awareness of anxiety. I didn't realize I had been numb, and somehow probably this triggered more awareness. And it was, it felt like I was like a panic attack, and I went to the other room and lay down and breathed into it. And I felt it more in the abdomen. And and I tried just to stay with it and to breathe through it and it took me 20 minutes but it did dissipate and I became aware of what it was about and then I just needed more information and I did get it over the next couple of days and it felt a lot better but uh-huh. it was odd I had never been aware that with anxiety for me it was in the abdomen uh-huh. and so it felt good to be aware that it wasn't going to stay there forever it felt in the beginning like it was never going to go away and that it was a horrible thing that I couldn't handle. But it did move and shift and um, it did dissipate. And you learned you could handle it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an important learning. But yes. I'm wondering whether I tend to run from the negative emotions and they catch up with me before going <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think this would be a good practice to try and give my body permission to be aware, give myself time on a regular basis to be aware of whatever comes up so it doesn't come running after me when, when I don't have the defenses or the strength. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be good too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 But it really helped uh, your advice about being aware of where in the body it was in breathing, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you for that. Good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Anybody else? I had an experience Sunday night I, I thought I would share with you. Um, I happened to be going through a box of memorabilia letters and etc and at some point had the realization I have really been loved 
and appreciated in my life. And it was, you know, it was a little bit startling. It was a wonderful feeling. And along with that came this gratitude and sort of a vow that I would not forget that, that I would remember that and hold that, you know. I have been loved and appreciated in my life and come from that. And then I had the TV on because I was also watching the Olympics. And some time went by, and I don't, I don't know how much, and I didn't catch the beginning. But at some point I realized the judge, the critic, was really running. You know, everything from, I don't know, how my house looked to the way I live my life or whatever. I can't remember the specifics, but just... And when I realized that, I was like, whoa, where did that come from? And then, at some point a little bit later, I realized this not real strong, sort of subtle sense of not deserving. And that was surprising also. It's like, that again? Um, so I was surprised and there was sort of the disappointment I guess oh gosh I thought that was gone I thought I had done that you know that was over with and there it was again and then a little bit later the recognition that I think is helpful because it's happened a lot in my life is that a very strong, positive emotion will pull up the opposite. Will pull up the shadow, so to speak. Will pull up the negative. And time after time, it's really caught me unaware, you know. Finally, uh, at some point, I recognized, oh yes, oh yes. Actually, this this is very good news because it's a purification. You know, it's um, having that strong positive emotion then allows, makes it safe almost, for the shadow, the negative, to arise. And then when it's seen and held, it can dissipate. So I offer that because, as I say, it has caught me unaware so many times, and I get caught in the critic, the judge, the negativity, and and then, you know, what's wrong with me? I've been doing this practice for so many years, and I've been there, done that, I thought that would, you know, then the mind proliferates, goes on and on. And when I can recognize, oh yes, that's, it's like metta, we do metta practice, and that pulls, that brings up the (laughs) non-meta, the opposite emotion, which is fine. You know, it just means it's working. It's purifying. It's bringing up the other side for those emotions to be seen and accepted and then they can be let go of or they can relax. So thank you all for sharing that. It's so so rich and so useful. I think it's so valuable to hear each other's experience. And then we find that we're not alone, that we all have very similar experiences, even though they may sound a little bit different. So I wanted to do a little bit of a review, but time is marching on. So I think I'll not do that for right now, but I also want to talk a little bit about the relationship between our thoughts and our emotions. Um, Sometimes it's said that emotions follow thinking. We think certain thoughts and that creates a certain emotion. But I've also heard it said just the opposite that emotions lead to a certain way of thinking. So, probably it's both. Um, I think I said last week that I think emotions in this culture are very, very complicated. 
On the one hand, uh, in some ways we're told that we should be expressive, we should be open, we should, um, you know, acknowledge and accept our emotions. And then at other times, on the other hand, we give great adulation to those in our society who are very stoic and don't show their emotions. And I think it's conflicting. I think it's, um, it can be difficult for us sometimes what to do with emotions, how to handle emotions. But I think the piece of seeing the relationship between our thoughts and our emotions can be very useful. As I was thinking about it, I came to see it at times as sort of a cycle. And in a way, it doesn't matter where it starts. It can start with the thinking. That leads to an emotion, say, some kind of negative thinking, judgment or criticism, which leads to a negative emotion, a very strong, perhaps, um, whatever, sadness or hurt or melancholy or whatever else, anger maybe even. And then the tendency of the mind, as people have said, is to explain it. Sometimes almost to rationalize it. And that tends to feed it. So then, or fuel it. So then we have more of the emotion, which gives rise to more thinking, more thoughts, which gives rise to a stronger emotion. And before we know it, we're really caught in this cycle. So... I don't know that it matters too much which started, but what is important is the mindfulness we bring when we see that, when we see how closely linked our thoughts and our emotions are. And then, then we can begin to interrupt that cycle with our mindfulness, with our attention. We can interrupt the cycle. And if we see, I have seen, as probably many, if not all of you have seen, how the negative, that is what I mean by negative, the critical, the judgmental, the comparing, the um, thoughts of I'm not as good as, or I'm not as worthy as, or I'm not competent as, or whatever your particular strand of thinking is, how that proliferates and how we get caught in that and how then it leads to an emotion, a feeling. Sometimes, like some of you have said, I find myself feeling kind of melancholy or lack of energy, uh, down, we might say, sometimes even sad, and not knowing why, not, where did this come from? What am I feeling this for? And sometimes, not always, but sometimes I can trace it back and see, oh, yes, I was judging that. I was comparing there. I was being critical here. And it all adds up, you know. Uh, It's one thing here, one thing there, one thing there, but it adds up. And then I'm feeling this very unpleasant, uncomfortable emotion. And I can see it's a result of all this thinking. It took me a long time, I'm embarrassed to say, to really, really get it. To really see what all that thinking, that judging, that comparing, that criticism was doing to me. How it affected me and how it affected my life. Because, of course, I then acted out of that. And sometimes it was very subtle. I wasn't so aware of it. It would seem on the surface that things were going quite well. 
my life was going quite well. And I wasn't feeling, you know, particularly down or unhappy or anything. And then at some point I would. Or something would happen. Something would trigger. And then it would become so clear. I became so aware of how I had sort of allowed myself to go down that slippery slope. You know, there wasn't enough attention. There wasn't enough mindfulness to catch it. And the mind just went down that slippery slope of proliferating the negativity, the judgmentalness, the comparing, the criticism, etc. Until at some point then I was down in the hole. And I had to really see the pain of that in my life. How painful that was, time after time after time after time. Before, at some point, I was willing to say, literally say, enough. <laughs> no more. I get it. You know, finally, I get it. And that doesn't mean that I don't approach that slippery slope. You know, sometimes, not anywhere near what it used to be, but sometimes that comparing mind will rise, or the judgment, or the criticalness. Most often now, it arises, I see it, and it falls off. It's like a part of me says, oh no, oh no. (laughs) Not going there again. But it took a long, long time. And I say that um, partly as encouragement, (laughs) you know, don't give up. (laughs) Um, You know, it wasn't all downhill. It was very much a spiral, perhaps. Sometimes it felt like I was leading parallel lives. There could be all this negativity, um, you know, this downer. And at the same time, there could be great joy and wonderful things happening, which made it a little bit confusing. But I could see that that it was a spiral, that it wasn't exactly the same as it had been before. It was changing. But sometimes, you know, there's a lot of wounding. There's a lot of junk (laughs) in there. And it does take time. And sometimes some of us, uh, I have been so good at covering. I learned somehow very early to cover. And I did it so well that I didn't even see it myself. You know, I fooled myself. So it took a long time for all that that was underneath to bubble up, to come into my awareness, be seen for what it was, and then be let go of. Yeah. So you said you decided enough. And now you'll notice it and you'll say no. And then what is your process at that moment? Like when you're saying not going there, what is it you're actually internally doing with that? There's a recognition, and then there is that. Mm-mm. So you're, you're directing your attention away from it. It feels like just a letting go. Just letting go. Yes, and I would say bringing the attention back to whatever I was doing when it got diverted. You know, so not redirecting it to something else, but more like. It's sort of like the Buddha on the night of his enlightenment when he saw Mara, and he said, Mara, I see you. It's kind of like, oh, I see it. Nope. Now, you know, that's like I say, after a long time. That doesn't just happen right away, but after a long time. Now, that's pretty much, pretty much, not always, but pretty much what happens. I see it, and 
Yeah, I've had such a similar experience to what you described about about really just year or so getting so much more clear in a lot of things. And it's like there there used to be this illusion that this line of thinking was going to lead to some kind of satisfaction. Like, I'm right, you know, they're wrong or something. I mean, just that kind of it had its kind of pull, and somehow, just from seeing and seeing and seeing, it's like the the mind very quickly now knows that that actually hurts. You know, that that goes to actual hurt, and so you don't. It's not like you have to exactly do anything. It's just like over the years and years and years of just looking at it. It's like. Um, it doesn't take much action. It's like it's doing it itself. It's like it's saying, yes, you know, yes. That you know, it's like you don't have to. You know, like the example of sticking your hand in the fire. You don't have to reason about it a lot once you've done it. Once you really get it, you know, it just kind of. It's like gradually the weight of the negative memories of what that really feels like kind of come to outweigh the positive, the, the sense that you're going to get some satisfaction out of going that old way. You just kind of don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And all that attentiveness and all that work in between. So all those years of just attentiveness to, oh, this really hurts, you know. Mm-hmm. Noticing that, or also noticing what, that you think it's going to, where's the satisfaction in these old habits? Mm-hmm. You know, these habits of thinking that lead you into misery, right? Because, I mean, it was really helpful to me to see that there was some perverse pleasure in it and to recognize that element. Yeah, I don't remember recognizing the perverse pleasure. Um, I seemed to get got caught in absolutely believing it. Yeah. That was my reality. Yeah. That was truth. Yeah. And there was some sense that before that, I just had been sort of fudging. I hadn't been, you know. But this, you know, this yeah. critic, that was absolute truth. Yeah. And I found it very hard to break that, yeah. to let to let go of that. Yeah. I had a thought the other day, uh, I think actually it was following this experience, that, um, that I find very helpful. <laughs> and that was, it came to me, what if all the beliefs, all the ideas, all the concepts, all that that I grew up with and have based my life on, what if they weren't true? And in that moment, I knew they weren't. (laughs) They were not true. You know? They had some, uh, I don't know, I was going to say validity, I'm not sure that's even true. They were the ideas, the concepts that my family had. And that's all. You know? They're not true. They're just ideas. Most of them actually quite useless. (laughs) Actually not helpful, not skillful at all. But I know it has taken, um, over the years, learning to feel quite comfortable with a not knowing or... A spaciousness. Somebody said to me, you know, it's kind of, I feel sometimes like I'm out in the middle of the ocean with nobody around, no land in sight. Just that hanging out in the unknown, hanging out in the wide open. That for a long time was extremely uncomfortable. Very, very hard to tolerate. Over the years, I've become more comfortable with that. In fact, sometimes, you know, it's quite pleasant. I like it a lot. Uh, But I think it took the ability to be comfortable with that, to be able to say, all the ideas, all the beliefs, all the concepts I grew up with are not true. They may have some usefulness, but they're true. They're not the truth. They're just some idea. Some idea of how this is, how that is, how life is, how people are, how, you know, what happens. and They're just ideas. They're not necessarily true. In fact, an awful lot of times they were not true. But boy, did we hold to them. 
anybody else? Have you seen the relationship in your life between your thinking and your emotions? Have you seen how certain thoughts lead to a certain emotion? It can, I've been talking about so-called negative thinking. It can be the opposite as well. When I think, and I used to, I used to not believe it, and I actually used to be afraid of it. I thought that if I thought good thoughts, that things would go well, that I would be accepted, that you know, that um, that it wouldn't happen. It was almost like that was a curse or something. I dare not. I think that probably comes from a family that that didn't know how to praise and think well. You know, you're not supposed to think well of yourself. You're supposed to be critical. So there was actually this superstition that if I thought well, it wouldn't happen because that's like conceited or something. It was hard to switch that and realize that, no, it's the opposite, that if... When I do think well, trust, assume that things will go well, assume that I will do well, that it will work out, that it's okay, it's more likely to be that way. Amazing. So let me do uh, just sort of quickly a reminder of some of the things we talked about last week, partly for those of you that weren't here and a review for those of you that were and a way of sort of uh, wrapping up this two-week study of emotions. One of the most important things, I think, to remember we've talked about is that emotions are processes. They are not solid They come and go. They change. We can be aware of several emotions in a very short period of time. I was thinking, driving up here, you know, we can have several emotions at one time. Probably that's not true. Probably they're sequential. But they may be changing so rapidly um, that it seems like we're experiencing them all at the same time. But we can, we can be angry and go to sadness and go to hurt and go to relief and go to even happiness and back to anger again very, very quickly. And in fact, in the case of death or a loss, that's very often what happens. Things, the emotions can, can change and cycle so quickly. It seems like they're all happening at the same time. Probably, as I say, they are sequential. But seeing that they're processes and that they do change, and even in that process, in that change, there are probably moments of maybe no emotion, just calm or quiet before the next one arises. And as I said, like with pain, when we recognize that pain isn't solid, it's constantly changing sensations. That helps us to handle it, helps break it up, so we're not so caught by the pain. Likewise, we're not so caught by whatever the emotion is. It helps us to know that all emotions are part of the human spectrum, are part of the human experience, that there's no need to label ourselves as this person or that person or whatever, that all of us experience all of the range of human emotions, maybe in varying degrees, maybe at different times, but we all do. And that can help us not to take it so personally. That seems like a funny phrase, but, um, it, but it seems to be helpful. That it's not so personal. We all experience happiness. We all experience anger. We all experience frustration and numbness and compassion and love and 
That's just how it is. So that can help us not to get so caught, not to get so stuck in any one particular emotion. It's so important, as somebody reminded us, to be aware of where in the body we experience the emotion, how we experience it. The body does hold emotion. And if we're not aware of it, it can lead to disease, to difficulties in the body. I think I mentioned that um, we're finding that trauma is held, the experience of trauma, the emotion of trauma is held in the body. And if a person isn't allowed to process, to talk about and process the feelings of that trauma, then those feelings get locked in the body. And in extreme cases, you can literally see people walking around that that have a body um, posture or form that is so clear that they're holding something. You know, they're bent or, um, I can't think of a good example, but I know not too long ago I saw somebody, very strange body posture, and I, I felt a lot of compassion. I thought, that poor person is holding so much stuff. And over time, of course, um, that affects the muscles, the organs, uh, tendons, and nerves, etc., and can be very painful and lead to very difficult problems. So part of the processing is seeing where in the body we experience the emotion. And also that helps us sometimes to recognize the emotion. If we're not clear what it is we're feeling, sometimes paying attention to the experience in the body will help us to recognize, will help us to see what it is that we're actually experiencing. And it keeps us in our bodies. It keeps us grounded and embodied, as we say. So we're not living in our heads. Um, For a lot of my life, I was not at all comfortable with strong emotion. Uh, And I came to see that my defense was to go up into my head. So as soon as there was the hint of a strong emotion, either my own or somebody else's, I would go immediately up into my head, into thinking. And that kept me at a safe distance. Um, I experienced, for a lot of years in meditation, a lot of planning, 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 ad nauseum. (laughs) And when I looked behind that, often I could see there was anxiety or there was fear. So sometimes our thinking process is a way of covering or handling a very strong emotion. That judging, that criticalness can also be a way of handling fear, the unknown. So as you're experiencing um, a perhaps strong thinking or repetitive thinking, it's a good idea to ask and to look what's underneath, what might be fueling it. Very often there's a strong emotion that is fueling, that sends you up into your head and is fueling whatever that thinking process is. And it's important for us to learn to be with strong emotion, to just allow it and not have to react or act right away. We may act down the road, but many people will say one of the most valuable things they've gotten out of this practice is learning to tolerate strong emotion, to just be with it, not have to fix it, not have to change it, not have to push it away, but just be with it, allow it. I said last week, because I remind myself, we can tolerate strong emotion. Often we think we can't. 
and we push it away or we refuse to recognize it because there's the fear that it will overtake us. We won't be able to handle it. Sometimes there's literally a fear of dying that we won't be able to survive a very, very strong emotion. So it's helpful to remind ourselves we actually already have because we're here. We're living. And we can, in fact, tolerate re-experiencing. We may need a lot of support. It may be over time. We may experience it and back away, experience it and back away, experience it and back away for a long time. But we can tolerate it. It will not harm us. And it can be a great relief to people to realize and to be able to practice just being with very strong emotions, not having to act on them, either positively or negatively. I've acted on both, you know, and sometimes that's not skillful. But just allow them to be, allow them to process, and then when we get more clarity, decide what is the most skillful course of action or what is it that we need to do. I'm reminded of another personal example. Um, Recently, for the last few months, I've had a neighbor who has, um, I was going to say, taken a disliking to me. I don't know exactly what it is, but has um, been writing letters to the board of directors where I live, complaining about me and my dog. Uh, Most of it is untrue. The fact that I was walking her off-leash was true, but everything else was untrue. And, you know, it has become somewhat unpleasant. So I, at first, thought the best course of action was pretty much ignore it. Um, I did go and try to talk to him, and that wasn't very successful. I wrote a nice letter, which he told me was very stupid. And and then there came a point, because one Saturday, a few weeks ago, I actually found him coming over to the park where I was with my dog, watching, watching me, and driving around, watching. And that I didn't like too well. And I decided that it was time to be fierce. It was time for action. That it wasn't going to work, just being nice or just not doing anything. And somebody had suggested to me one time, you know, maybe you could scare him. Then I sort of brushed it off. But after that, I thought, yes. So the next time I saw him outside, I approached him. And in my very angry voice, which I can do pretty well, I said, don't you do anymore. <laughs> you know, I really, for a minute, I was very fierce and very angry. Don't follow me again. Don't write another letter. If you do, I will call the police. <coughs> and, I, you know, he didn't react very well, but anyway, I went home and and I felt the, you know, the anger, the, the heat, the energy. It wasn't real strong, but it, w- it was clearly there. And a little bit later, really not very long, I found myself chuckling. <laughs> and I realized that I wasn't really holding on to the anger. That it was there, I think I used it appropriately, and then it was gone. And that was a wonderful recognition that I could, I think, who knows, but I think, skillfully use the anger and then let go, not be attached to it. I didn't have to hold on to that anger. It was gone. You know? And there are times I can do loving kindness for this man, and I think I genuinely mean it. And then I want you to know, a little while later, up will come, I hate him. You bastard. You're making my life miserable. <laughs> and at first it was like, oh, 
whoa, what? what? I've just been doing loving kindness. And then again, I recognize, yes, of course, the loving kindness will pull up the negative. I don't have to get upset. I don't have to get caught in it. I can see it and, okay, actually both are there, right? I do wish this man well. For him and for me both, because it would be a lot easier. If he were happier, he wouldn't bother me. And at the same time, there's annoyance that he's doing this, and I have to go through certain things to, to handle it. But that ability to experience the emotion, use it skillfully, and let go. That's how we can we can come to appreciate and and with awareness use our emotions so they don't run us. They're not controlling us. They're there and we can skillfully use them. So we're just at 9 o'clock. Anybody have a burning comment or thought? Yes. I want to ask about this particular aspect of um, being fierce or not in your case, in some cases people can say mean things and let go of it. And then, you know, it's like it's uncomfortably. I, I think I've run into people that are like that, you know, uh, before a few times. And I wonder if that is a wholesome act where it seems like what they want to do is to act out their emotion on you and then dump it on you and they're happy and fine after that and doesn't care less what happens. Yes. What What's yes. the effect of the person? <coughs> I'm, I'm not sure how you would distinguish that from the more, what you see as the more skillful use of anger. Are there a fine line there? There's a difference for sure. I'm very glad you asked the question. Yes, because for me, there's a very big difference between being fierce and being mean. I did not in any way mean to imply meanness. Fierceness for me it's just the, the skillful use of that energy, that strong, for me at this point it was anger. Because I thought that's what was most useful at this particular point. Maybe it wasn't, but that was my take on it. That, for me, that was not dumping. That was not mean. I did not call names. I did not say anything that I thought was um, unkind, even was just stop doing to me what you're doing. For me, that's fierce, not mean. And dumping, I think, as you describe, I don't think that's skillful. Most of the time, that is not skillful. But there's a difference between just pouring out an emotion, just dumping it, and over time, being aware and choosing to say something, to do something, to share something, perhaps, because that seems the most skillful at the moment. Does that, does that clarify it a bit? Good. Okay, let's sit for just a moment.
So we end with dedicating the merit, any merit that we may have accrued this evening by our practice together. May we share it with all those that we come into contact with as we leave here. May it be for the benefit of all beings so that all beings may live at peace, be happy, and be free. Have a safe journey home. <laughs>